welcome to another exciting podcast from Living Faith Church. It's our hope and prayer that today's message will bring you closer and deeper to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Dean Hackett. Halloween by Christians has been controversial for decades. And... uh, I remember back in the 80s when I was a kid, the, the Chick Tracks, not Chick-fil-A. You're familiar with Chick-fil-A. But back then, there was a, there was a publisher called Chick that put out these, these tracks that were uh, cartoon tracks that had very, very volatile messages. And they, they, they shared the gospel uh, really straightforward, at times almost, almost judgmentally. Shared the, shared the gospel. And, and they were really, really, really judgmental of, of Christians celebrating Halloween. And, and then, you know, you, you, always, you always have those in the Christian community that can give you 10,000 reasons why you should not celebrate Christmas, why you should not celebrate Easter. Why you, I mean, I mean they're, they're against celebrating anything, man. If you're born again, you're supposed to look like you were baptized in vinegar. You know, and and I, I've I've never well I shouldn't say never I for a short season I bought into that, and then one day I thought, wait a minute, this isn't going to help my kids do anything except be miserable and hate church. What what am I doing? And one of the things that one of the things that 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 brought that really home to me was that year we didn't have a Christmas tree because after all. Putting idols under every green tree, you know, and and I so so we didn't have a Christmas tree. So what I did, I I <laughs> this was high risk. I built a manger. It's high risk for me to build anything. If I build a <laughs> dog house, it'll fall down and kill your dog. You know, I just am not a builder. But I built so I, I built this I built this this manger, and I got some hay from one of our one of our farmers and I put some hay in it and we put baby Jesus in it <laughs> and woke up the next morning and our cat was sleeping on baby Jesus <clears throat> she just knew we had made that just for her you know it's, and, we, and no matter what we did that Christmas season <laughs> the cat was in there with baby Jesus you know and <laughs> And so we went, well, that's not working. So, and, then, and then God said, what are you doing? What are you, what are you? Think about this. Think about this. And, and I, began doing, I began doing historical research on, on Christmas and discovered some things that going all the way back, that, that, that some of the ancient writers believed that they could document historically that Jesus Christ was, we, we know he was born in the month of Chislev, but most people are not aware that Hanukkah, the feast of lights, is the 25th of Chislev. 
Now, of course, our 25th of December doesn't always follow equal to the Hebrew calendar because, because there's, there's some difference in our calendar. But, but they, they believe that Jesus was probably born on the 25th. Well, wow, what a deal. So I began looking then at Easter and I began looking at other things. And, and I, I, of course, as I began studying historically about Halloween... You go all the way back to the third century A.D. And, and uh, in Ireland, the, the spiritists there, they, they believed that, that, that December 31 was the night that all the spirits of the dead began roaming around. Their, their new year started on November 1. That was their new year. And the night before that was Hallowed Eve. Hallowed Eve. Well, of course, the, the Roman Catholicism picked that up. And, and November 1 is All Saints Day. And their December 31, or I'm sorry, November 31 was, or October 31, excuse me, was, was Hallowed Eve. And the night of the of the the spirits coming out and moving. So and so, these paganists they would build bonfires and stuff to keep to keep the spirits away so that they wouldn't bother them. You know, it was all totally pagan. And of course, through the centuries, that has that has evolved. And what do we know today? Well, October thirty one, Halloween. You know, that's that's ghosts and goblins and ghouls and and. And of course, kids dressing up and trick or treating, and I don't know what it's like in your house, but the entire North America comes to uh, Highland Summit area. <clears throat> I, I counted one night. I thought I'm going to keep count. I turned off the lights and shut the door after 500. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I, I don't know how many come. The people were still coming, but, but I, I'd run out of candy and I had ran out of joy. And so I <laughs> turned off the lights and shut the door. And, and you know, but I, I actually, it's kind of fun having all the little kids come to my door and I get to, uh, I, I get to, to just enjoy them, the little munchkins. But Halloween has its roots completely in paganism. And so, should we be celebrating Halloween? Well, I can give you 95 reasons why to celebrate Halloween. And it has nothing to do with ghosts and goblins and ghouls and, 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 and all of the dark side. Because while Satan has that side that he has used to propagate evil and darkness and, 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 and the, the worship of paganism... There's another side to it. Fast forward from the 3rd century AD to the 16th century AD. There was another guy. His name was Martin Luther. Martin Luther had become a monk and a preacher of the gospel. And he and he was he was ordained 
in a church that was very backslidden. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ had become very backslidden and very far away from the scripture and from what Jesus Christ had intended when he gave birth to his church. And by that time, they were a thousand years into an era where there had been many men that had tried to bring revival back to the church that was, that was slowly backsliding away. You had, you had really early morning stars of the gospel like the Waldensians in southern France that preached the gospel and printed the Holy Scripture in the language of the people so they could read the the, the Scriptures because the Scriptures were only in Latin because that was supposed to be the holy language. The problem is only highly educated people could read it. And so by that time what had happened was the entire gospel and the Holy Scriptures had gone behind the walls of the monasteries. And the general public didn't have the scripture and didn't have the word of God. You had people like the Waldensians, like Francis Assisi, like John Huss in the city of Prague in the, thir- in the 15th century. Like Savonarola in Florence, Italy, who was martyred. All these that I'm talking about, they, they, with the exception of Assisi, they, they were martyred. They were martyred for preaching the gospel. And Martin Luther, in his search for God, began studying Romans, the book of Romans, and discovered That it was salvation by grace alone. Now by this time the church was selling indulgences. They were selling people salvation. That people could could drink. They could be immoral. They could be evil. They could be wicked. They could participate in every kind of evil and darkness you could imagine. But come and pay the church and their sins would be forgiven. The church had completely backslidden. The gospel was being preached nowhere. Except in these these small candles of God's light and glory. And into that scene came this German preacher of the gospel. Martin Luther. And he picked a very interesting day to launch his protest. And how he launched his protest was he wrote a document with 95 reasons why the current church was not preaching the true gospel. And he wrote these 95 reasons down and then he walked to the door of the church and he nailed them on the door of the church in Wittenberg, Germany. And he picked October 31. The day that Satan had established for his holy day. Martin Luther captured and brought back 
Because that was the day the Reformation started in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't you think we ought to be celebrating that? Come on. That's what I mean by 95 reasons. I know. <laughs> Pastor Dave was, I, I, I borrowed his PowerPoint for this morning, okay? I'm not preaching his sermon, but I borrowed his PowerPoint because I didn't have time to put one together. So go back one slide for me, would you? I'm not sure why he has 1843 up there. I'm sure he, in his notes, has a very good reason. So if you're asking me why he has 1843 up there, I don't know. I didn't read his notes. But I can tell you Martin Luther had been in the grave unless somebody rose him from the dead by 1843. Okay. So I I know somebody's wondering why is 1843 up there. I don't know. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll let Pastor Dave tell you about that. But let me, let, me, let me share with you. Long before Martin Luther and the Reformation that was birthed in Wittenberg, Germany, under his leadership. If we go back to the Old Testament, we find a time when a king led Judah into a revival that not only shook Judah, but actually shook the northern kingdom of Israel as well. And it's recorded for us in Second Chronicles chapter 29 and chapter 30 and 31. Hezekiah was the king. And it actually is a pattern. And it's interesting because when you study Martin Luther, Martin Luther actually whether he did it intentionally or just being led by the Holy Spirit, he followed the pattern that that King Hezekiah follows in bringing revival back to Judah. Because this was a time when Judah had gone away from God, the temple was not in use, and uh, and they were worshiping pagan gods and, and doing human sacrifice. And King Hezekiah... Brought, brought Judah back to worship of the true living God, restored the worship of the true living God, and the revival even bled up into the nation of Israel, and many from Israel were spiritually revived. And that's where I want to go this morning, because it follows, and as we go along, I'm going to, I'm going to make reference back to Martin Luther. And so let's look at this together, okay? In in Second uh, Chronicles chapter twenty nine, the first thing we see that Hezekiah did was he restored the temple. The temple was in ruins. The temple was not being used. He had the temple cleansed. He had it refurbished. He had the priesthood. Uh, Get themselves back right with God because the priesthood was not right with God. And he had the priesthood restore themselves and had them restore the temple so that worship could be restored. Now before he gets to worship, he has to restore the temple and he has to restore the priesthood. And that is exactly where Martin Luther was at. 
The preachers were away from God. They weren't preaching the gospel. Their lives were impure. They were involved in immorality. And, and in, in the, the houses of God, they, they, there was all kinds of evil going on. And Martin Luther called them back to purity and to restore the house of God. And dear ones, that's where the church is at today. We, we must restore. The, where, where's the temple? Where's the temple of the living God? It's our own lives. It's our own bodies. That's what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, what? Know ye not that you are the temple of God and you are of the Holy Spirit and you are not your own. You are bought with a price. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're the temple of God. But dear ones, when, when this temple is not totally sold out to the living God and running after God. Then, then what happens is, is we distance ourselves from God's presence. And where it all has to start, if we're going to see a modern day reformation, where it all has to start is in the hearts of those who claim that they are Christian, who claim that they know Jesus, who claim that Jesus lives in them. And what they must do is they must restore the ministry of presence in their own temple. It has to start there. And I think often we want it to start in the macro. And we go, come on, we got to have revival in the church. Well, how do we get revival in the church? It has to start with revival in the temple of the living God. And that's you and that's me. It has to start there. And so I got to ask you a question. In your daily life. Do you live with a manifested presence of Almighty God in here? And too often we're running after other things. I, I, I hear from, from Christian after Christian. Well, I'm just so busy. I don't have much time for the Bible. Then you're too busy. <coughs> then you're too busy. Well, but I have to be working. And, and I... I will be the first to tell you, in the 11 years I've been here in Hermiston, I have never been in a community that works as hard as this community works. I'm just telling you. The people that live on the I-5 corridor, they don't have a clue. I mean, the, the, average, the average man here works six days a week, 12 to 14 hour days. It, it's it's bizarre. I and I, I get that. And and the, the the women they work just as hard. You know they work at at Lamb Western or some of the places and and they're working them long hours. They work just as many hours as the guys work. And they work they work. You know if you're if you're a farmer or a rancher, the gal works just as hard as the guy. I get that. I get it. I'm understanding. But I want to tell you something. In in those work hours. You've got to make time for the Lord. Now, if you're a morning person, what that means is you need, you need to get up at least 30 minutes earlier so you can get a good time with the Lord so that you are letting Holy Spirit minister in your life. 
If you're a night person, you're going to need to do it at night. Okay, and, and I get it. I get it. Now, there are those that go, well, pastor, I'm neither morning nor night. I'm up and I'm off to work. And the shades are up, but the lights aren't on. Till about eight. And then the lights go out about eight and I'm up and I'm breathing, but I'm dead. It ain't, you know. Okay, I get that. And there's some of you going, I'm talking to you. Okay, here's what you do. This is, this is, this and this is what, what I've had to do. I, and listen, I get it. The years that I've been church planting, I worked, I, I worked one church plant, was I worked three jobs while I was planting that church. Now, church planting is a full-time job. So that means I was working a lot of hours. Come on. Yeah. Working a lot of hours. Okay? 100-hour weeks were common. So how did I get my time in? I did it in three ways. I got up, I got up earlier. And then in my break times, I would spend break times in the word. I would spend lunch time in prayer and in worship. I would spend break times in worship and in prayer. I I had to do that. Listen, because listen, I'm not, I'm not a preacher. That's, that's my job. I am a man of God. And as a man of God, I want the manifest presence of God operating in my life. No matter how many hours I'm working, I have to have the manifest presence of God in my life. And so you do what you have to do to make sure that is being nurtured. And that is being nurtured on a regular basis. Are you getting it? And so you work that in. You work it around. You make it work. You make it work. That sometimes is why I love windshield time. Because I have an excuse to shut my phone off and just pray in the spirit and worship between here and wherever it is I'm going. (laughs) And I love it when where I'm going is Portland because then I've got three hours. Because I can say to people, yeah, I don't get good reception in the gorge. Well, we don't. Come on, that's not that's not a lie. We don't. And and but it gives me it gives me time. I can't be interrupted between me and you know what I'm saying. Yes. I love that. I love that time, dear ones. You maximize, but you've got to make sure you are nurturing the manifest presence of God in here because reformation starts here. Yes. I'm, I'm going to touch on something. Please listen closely. You know. If you're indulging secret sin. Secret sin defiles the temple. And and you've got to be willing. To let Holy Spirit deal with secret sins. You You just have to. You just have to. You just have to. You have to let Holy Spirit deal with self talk. Sometimes we curse and we use language and self-talk we would never let come out here. But we let it in here. And what we're doing is we're putting a curse on our own soul and spirit. 
And we've got to let Holy Spirit deal with our self-talk. We've got to let Holy Spirit deal with our secret sin. We've got to let Holy Spirit get the temple clean. Because that's where reformation starts. It starts in the temple. Everybody say amen with me. Okay, here's the second place. He restored worship. He restored worship. He restored worship. He, he, he got worship back in the house of God again. And dear ones, that, that's what Martin Luther did. Martin Luther began writing music. In fact, Martin Luther was quite controversial. Because he began writing music that was fresh worship. That brought life into the house. Okay. Now, we wouldn't think it was so fresh. But songs like, a mighty fortress is our God. Okay, okay, we, we go, that's not very life-giving. But it was life-giving then. When Martin Luther began writing worship. And can, can I tell you a little, a little secret very few people know? Martin Luther was the first person to put lights on the Christmas tree. He was, walking, he was walking home one December night in the snow. And the stars were shining on the snowy boughs of the trees. And he went, that is beautiful. And he got to thinking about the light of the world. That Jesus is the light of the world. He went home and did, he did a very scary thing. He put candles on his yeah. Christmas tree. <laughs> That's a very scary thing to me. That's, that's kind of like saying, we'll get this barbecue going. Go get me the gas can, will you? <clears throat> that's just scary to me but but okay and, and I just thought I'd share that little tidbit with you in case you're going well is it okay to put lights on the tree and hey Jesus was the tree he was the light of the world come on put lights on the tree but look here listen worship has to be life giving not entertainment centered. And in, in, in my humble opinion, when the spotlights are on the stage and on the musicians and on the singers and the audience is in the audience mode, then something has gone haywire with worship. Because worship the point of worship on Sunday morning is not to entertain. The purpose of worship on Sunday morning is for us as a church family to come past the veil into the presence of the living God so that where God, what does it say? That God inhabits the praises of Israel. We want him to inhabit our praises. We want his manifest presence. And that's what worship is about. It's not about entertainment. It's not about you just enjoying the music on the stage. It's about you and I participating and shutting everything else out. And, and that's why I've encouraged for years, if, if in morning worship, if, if you have trouble shutting everything out because the movement of the people or because you're, you're, you're concerned people are, are wondering what, what you're sounding like, then, what, then, then go ahead and turn the volume down of your own voice so that that and close your eyes and just worship Jesus and just see Jesus and just worship Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. But worship 
Don't just think the words in your mind. And don't just say the words under your breath. The power of worship is when it's coming out of your mouth. Not just when it's in your mind and not just when it's, it's under your breath. But it's the power of it. Declaring. You're declaring. Now that's why I, it's, it's twice as powerful when you will raise your voice and don't worry. If you sound like a bullfrog in a 50-gallon drum, it's okay. God loves it. One of my pastor friends, he, he could not hear music at all, but he loved worship and he sang loud and he always sang the same note. No matter what was happening on the musical register, he was on the same note and he sang loud. A boy standing next to him when I would go preach for him was really tough. Because he's singing all the same thing. And I'm trying to sing where the music is going on the register. And he is on the same note. And he is loud. But he's worshiping God. And you know, one morning as I stand there, I was thinking, God, you know what's the funny thing is, as much as this is bothering me, it is delighting your heart. So God, let me find delight. (laughs) You know? Come on, amen? Because worship It's about right there. It's about right there. It's not what's happening on stage. It's what's happening in the temple. It's going on in the temple. And folks, listen to me. In the church, we have got to recapture the worship and get it back where it belongs. For an audience of one. Come on. Amen. Amen. And I I got to say to our worship team. You do that well. You do that well. I'm so pleased you do that well. Reformation starts with getting the temple restored. Getting worship restored. And then he did a very interesting thing. He called everyone to Passover. They'd stop celebrating Passover. And he called everyone to Passover. And as he sent out messengers throughout the entire land of Judah calling people to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. He even sent them up into Israel and called, and called people living in Israel to come to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. And, and, and what's Passover all about? Passover is all about deliverance. Come on, deliverance out of slavery, right? It's the blood of the lamb delivering from slavery. It's the blood of the lamb delivering us from slavery. It's the blood of the lamb delivering us from slavery. It's the blood of the lamb delivering us from slavery. It's the blood of the lamb redeeming us out of every kindred, every tribe, every tongue, every nation. It's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ redeeming us from sinners to saints. Redeeming us from being the son of our father the devil. And translating us into the kingdom of God's dear son as adopted sons and daughters. Taking us out of darkness and bringing us into the marvelous light. So that we are kings and priests unto our God. It's celebrating the blood of Jesus Christ having redeemed us. 
And it is time in this generation for the church to come back with the authentic, regenerating, redeeming power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Enough of just tagging Jesus on. The church is not a social club. The church is a club of the redeemed. It's not even a club. It's the family. We're the family of God. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Come on, amen? Amen. And while we want the worst of the worst and the highest of the highest and the wicked from the highest to the lowest to come and hear the gospel and be saved, when they come here on Sunday morning, they're not the church. They're attending a church meeting. They're attending a worship celebration. But the only way they can become a part of the church is they must become redeemed. Joining Living Faith Church will not make you the church. Boy, it's quiet right this moment. You're having to think that one through, aren't you? And the reason is because in this generation, we have compromised. It's, it's what one guy told me this week. He said, you know, if you set up a piano in a family room in front of a series of windows... And the pianist comes and plays. And every day, you turn that piano one inch. The pianist won't recognize the piano's being turned at first. But if you keep turning it one inch, in a few months, that piano will be facing the windows. Not the windows behind the piano. And that's what's happened in the church. We have compromised, 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 compromised. Until we are preaching a greasy, sloppy grace. That everyone, God loves everyone. And God wants everyone saved. Now that's true. God loves everyone. God wants everyone saved. But I'm going to tell you, the only way. You become a part of the church and the only way you get to go to heaven. You have got to repent of your sin. You have got to turn from your sin. And you must have the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you must be born again. Not just go to church. Not just hang out with Christians. Not just go to church because mom and dad takes you there. But because you've been born again. You've had a heart change. It's got to be a heart change. And the church must come back to that. We must come back to preaching. That being born again means there is a heart change. And when someone says they are born again. And they're still involved. In same-sex relationships, something's wrong with their birth experience. When someone says they're born again and they are still involved in premarital sex on a regular basis, something is wrong with that new birth experience. When someone says they are born again and they're still a cheat and they still have a mouth like like Satan speaking out of their mouth or they still have a temper that tears the house down. Something is wrong with that birth experience. The heart's not changed. Mm-hmm. 
The reason I'm saying this so forcefully is because church, we must wake up and realize we are inoculating a whole lot of people, but they're not experiencing a true born-again experience, and they are not going to heaven. And that's why we must have a reformation in the church. Because the temple has got to get clean again. And the worship must be restored. And we must get back to the true gospel that brings people to born again experience. Little story. I'm going to share out of my own life. Because I know it best. When I started going to church, you've heard me say, it was amazing. And all the moms told their daughters, you can't sit with him. There's a reason. I was wicked. And the night I went to the altar to give my life to Jesus Christ, I knelt down and I prayed a little bit. And I didn't really know what to pray. I just prayed a little bit. I started to get up. And this big hand that felt like it was the size of Goliath pushed me down again and this deep bass voice said pray till you get through son pray till you get through (laughs) and so I didn't know what to do so I prayed the same prayer all over again I was sincere I meant it and I started to get up that big old hand again pushed me back down pray till you get through son pray till you get through So I know what to do, so I prayed the same prayer again. But as I started to pray that same prayer again, something inside me broke. And I was sincere the other two times, but that time, there was a true life change going on inside of me. It transformed my life. I wasn't in a hurry that time. And when I finally did get up from that big old altar, I knew something had happened inside and I was afraid it would go away. So instead of going to the fireside to hang out with the chicks like I had each night before that, I went back to the A-frame that guys were staying in and it didn't turn the lights on. I sat way back in the corner on the floor, hugging my knees, crying and begging God, don't let this go away. I want this to stay. Don't let this go away. I want this to, that's how little I knew. I didn't realize it was good. It was staying. But I didn't know that. I didn't want it to just be a momentary experience. I wanted to change my life. It did. And see, that's what I'm talking about. We make it such easy believism today that we're, we're in many cases, not, every, not all of them, but in many cases, we're missing the transforming of the heart. And we give them an inoculation and we haven't really helped them experience the full-blown, born-again, life-transforming experience that Jesus Christ came to bring. Then my question to you is this. Have you just been inoculated? Or have you truly experienced being born again? Has your heart been changed? Now, is there going to be growing? Oh, yeah, there's going to be growing. There's going to be growing. I remember I, I was about three months into my walk with Jesus and I finally said, God, I am sick and tired of talking like this and you keep convicting me. So God, would you do me a favor? Because it just comes out. Would you, 
would you make me feel so bad when I'm about to say, and I'm not going to say the words because you know what they are. And he did. And he began changing my mouth. But see, I had a heart to change. And then he began working on my temper. But I had a heart to change. God changed my want to. He changed me deep inside. Now there were things he took away immediately. Because there was a dramatic heart change. But there were other things I had to grow in. And I had to learn to grow in and mature. And he'll do the same. But church, we must have reformation. We are so blessed that you joined us online today. For more resources on how you can grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, visit us online at www.winacity.com. If you would like to speak with someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ or would like prayer, you can contact us at 541-567-4486 or email us at info at winacity.com.